right, ladies and gentlemen, great to have you guys on board. It is VU 76 for Wednesday, February 17, year of our Lord 2021. Hey, it's good to have all of you on board. The voice of one, the VU. And I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you subscribing or liking or especially sharing whatever you do out there in podcast world. Just pass it on to somebody that uh, might like a VU in their life. All right. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, Woody be here, your host, bringing you the twice acquitted blend of coffee, current events, faith, and FSU sports. Well, today's a sad day in the conservative movement. February 17, 2021 will forever be known as the day Rush Limbaugh died. Yeah, he died today following his valiant battle with cancer. Rush was 70 years old. Tributes have poured in from all corners of the conservative movement. Donald Trump, the president, mourns the passing of Rush Limbaugh by saying he is a legend and he loved his country so much. George W. Bush remembered Limbaugh by saying he had an indomitable spirit with a big heart. Tucker Carlson, I think, nailed it when he said that Rush Limbaugh's commentary was different because he meant it. And Sean Hannity, again, I think correctly says, Rush Limbaugh saved AM-FM radio and paved the way for Fox News. Now, former Trump Press uh, Secretary uh, Kelly McEnany wrote a tribute to uh, Rush Limbaugh on foxnews.com, and uh, really well done, really well done. And I want to just read part of it to you. Uh, This is Kelly McEnany, and uh, the headline is Rush Limbaugh Inspired a Generation of Young Conservatives. And so it was published just uh, four uh, hours ago. And uh, so she penned this. She said, my journey to to becoming White House press secretary began in a pickup truck alongside my dad, who played Rush Limbaugh religiously. Though I was in elementary school, There was something magnetic, alluring, and just so passionate about the conservative radio host who had such conviction and assuredness. My rides in my dad's truck through Plant City, Florida, later turned into drives in my own car to my all-girls Catholic high school. My friends knew that if they chose to ride with me, they would be listening to Maha Rushi as he affectionately dubbed himself. Rush was a giant in the conservative movement for a reason. He exhibited unrelenting boldness for truth. He never backed down. You knew where he stood. And he was never, ever afraid to speak the truth to power and challenge the mainstream media. Rush's shows propelled my entry into politics as a young high school intern for the Bush-Cheney campaign, a road that would eventually lead me to the podium in the White House press briefing room. In that role, Russia's boldness inspired a boldness of my own as a young woman who also chose to challenge the media. And so uh, she goes on uh, to talk about uh, various things, and 
says that he inspired a whole generation of young men and women. Uh, and then, uh, I, I, several paragraphs down, she writes this. She says, as my dad said to me upon learning of Russia's passing, he was the best friend I never met. I think that's absolutely the truth. Rush, he just had a way. Uh, there's a lot of radio hosts out there, a lot of conservative radio hosts, that have incredible content, and, do, and they do a great job. But there was more than just content to Rush, Rush Limbaugh. I mean, he, he was, uh, in fact, I heard someone say today, and I think this was so true, and that is when others would fill in for Rush, and you didn't fill in for Rush unless you had a big syndicated show in some market, right? So these were very accomplished people who filled in. And you could tell they knew what they were doing at their trade. They weren't new at talk radio, but they weren't Rush, Rush Limbaugh. Uh, and Rush just had, he had a relatability. There was something about his voice, about his pacing, about, uh, about his, the way he framed his thoughts, that uh, it was just alluring. It was alluring and, and pushed him all the way to the top and, and made him the voice of the conservative movement for decades. Now, I remember the first time I ever heard the name Rush Limbaugh. Now, this is going to seem strange that, you, that I can actually remember this, but because it was a, a unique setting. I remember the first time I ever heard the name Rush Limbaugh. I had never heard it in my life and ever heard his show, uh, his radio show. It was in the mid-'80s, and uh, I was a speaker on a Christian cruise that's right. Uh, and in fact, this was a single adult cruise, as I recall it. And uh, they had, um, you know, they had a musical acts on board and uh, this and that. The, 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 the uh, sponsor of this trip uh, had rented out the entire ship. And so we had the entire ship to ourselves. And so we had all the entertainment and we had, you know, all of it. Now, I was not the main speaker. I was like a breakout uh, type speaker, but the main speaker and I shared a, a berth uh, on that ship. And trust me, we were down in the bowels of the ship, right? <laughs> Not exactly like we had some balcony uh, view, but nevertheless. Uh, and and I'm telling you, I I apologize. I cannot remember this guy's name, but he was the headline speaker on this, and was very good. And he was from California. Well, Rush Limbaugh had had a radio show out there. And this guy was a devoted listener to this guy named Rush Limbaugh, who had a, a local radio show. So uh, I can remember him asking me, have you ever heard of this radio host named Rush Limbaugh? And I, you know, I was from Florida. He was from California. I was like, no, I've, I've never, I've never heard of him. He said, oh man, he is absolutely great. Well, this was back in the days of cassette right? Cassette tapes. So this guy actually had cassette tapes. He had recorded uh, the radio programs of Rush Limbaugh programs. <laughs> and he had brought, brought some of them with him on this cruise. He said, oh man, he said, you gotta, when you have some spare time, just listen, listen to these. He said, they're great. So I popped, of course, I had my portable cassette player with me. And so I popped in 
that was like, oh man, you know, you're thinking to yourself, you know how it is, right? Somebody hands you some recording of some, oh, you got to listen to this guy. He's the best. So anyway, they, I pop, pop the thing in at some point and start listening. And I was intrigued right away, right away. I mean, he was, I mean, he was, he just had a great show. This is when he was in California. And one of the things he had back in the day, this is, and I heard these on this, these tapes from this California show. He had this, Rush Limbaugh had this fictitious character named Susan B. Anthony Jones. So Susan B. Anthony Jones was a government employee, and she, um, well, what would happen is this. He had this shtick where he would uh, make a phone call. It was like a, it was a fake phone call, but it would, and he did all the voices. He did the whole thing. So it would act, it would sound like he was making a phone call, and then a woman would answer the phone at this government agency. It would be a different government agency every time. And this woman would answer the phone, identify the agency, and then say her name, Susan B. Anthony Jones. So then Rush Limbaugh would ask a question that was always a very straightforward question based upon whatever the agency was, right? And so uh, if it had to do with the... I don't know, the California train system. I don't know if there is one. But let's just say it's the California train system. And he was calling, and she would say, California train, Susan B. Anthony Jones. And then he would ask, you know, what time does the train to Sacramento leave, right? Well, so it was a very straightforward question. It did not matter what question he asked. The next words out of her mouth were, one moment. So... <laughs> <laughs> it was a shtick that had to do with the fact that when you call a government, it was you are inevitably going to be put on hold. You are going to be put on hold, right? And then, of course, the conversation would go on. He still had a conversation. Out. Anyway, but I remember that. It, the whole thing, it would follow that template every time. Susan B. Anthony Jones. Now, when he went national, which was 1988, I remembered. This is that Rush guy. This is the guy I heard on the tape. This is the guy I heard on cassette tape. It's Rush, it's Rush Limbaugh. I heard this guy. And, of course, it just instantly, he was just, took the nation, right? Um, he took the nation. I mean, became the number one conservative voice in, in, almost instant, within, let's put it this way. Within four years, in 1992, President Reagan, Ronald Reagan, and uh, he was very much, uh, Rush Limbaugh very much idolized Reagan. Reagan wrote a letter to Rush Limbaugh, and Rush Limbaugh read it on the air. This was 1992. And uh, among the things that Reagan wrote was this. He, he wrote, you've become the number one voice for conservatism in our country. That's what Ronald Reagan wrote about about Rush Limbaugh, and he had. And two, year, two years later, the GOP uh, has this massive win across the nation. They take control of the Congress for the first time in 40 years. And they make Rush Limbaugh an honorary member <laughs> of the incoming class because of his role in helping broadcast, helping amplify the conservative message. I mean, he was the conservative voice. 
And he just helped the everyday guy. He was the everyday guy, right? Because people who were listening to him in the middle of the day, um, uh, they had at least some time uh, at work that they could listen to him. And, he, and every truck driver, every anybody who had time, they listened to Rush Limbaugh. So um, now I jotted down just a few uh, you know, memories that I have aside from that where I first heard his name. Um, just my own thoughts about, about Rush Limbaugh and about his show. First of all is this. Uh, even though he was the voice of cons- the conservative movement, um, his show had a, a lightheartedness about it. Uh, and uh, in fact, early on, Rush Limbaugh would often emphasize that his was an entertainment product. He would, he would often say this, that his was an entertainment show. Uh, and it did, it did. It had a. It had. You know. He he just had a, a, a jovial way about him. So even though he was voicing the conservative message, it didn't have like this. Uh, uh, you know, sharp kind of edge to it. That kind of thing. It it really. Um, it was just. It just had a lightheartedness to it. And part of that lightheartedness was the fact that especially early on he would use these parody songs. Do you remember that? He would use these songs. They was like, it was like they would take a song that everybody knew, a tune and a song that everybody knew, and then they would, they would change the words to it to spoof somebody. It could be Obama. It could be uh, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Al Gore. I mean, whatever it was. I mean, he, he, had, he had these parody songs. And uh, there was, uh, now this, by the way, this was back in the day when people could understand parody and people could understand satire, right? I'm not sure it works today. But back in the day, he had these parody songs. And there was a, there was a comedian named Paul Shanklin, who was the guy who actually created these songs. So, like I said, I mean, and, and these songs, I mean, he would play these songs and they would just become instant classics. And some of them just became, I mean, people would just be, you know, sending him the emails and everything uh, to El Rushbo, right? They'd be sending him emails demanding, right, that he play this song again. And so <laughs> there he would have to reprise some of these songs because uh, they would just become uh, instant hits. Well, one of them back in the day was during the time, I don't know if you remember this, I, I'm, I'm assuming you do, but, but there was a time when we just had this consistent drone, right? This is kind of in the Al Gore period and everything, although this period is going to return, no doubt. But this was during the Al Gore period, the climate uh, period, where the liberals were just on and on and on about the, the environmental devastation of SUVs. Remember this? You just were absolutely loath if you drove an SUV because you were just doing this untold damage. Not only were you just guzzling down the gas, right, um, but you were also just spewing out this environmental hazard. And so just on and on and on about the SUVs, the SUVs. Well, of course, the liberals came out with their answer, their answer, to the SUV was the absolute polar opposite, this little matchbox-sized car called the Yugo. Anybody remember that? <laughs> it was y- Y-U-G-O, Yugo, right? And so it became like the California, the liberal darlings little matchbox car because they were going to save the environment uh, 
by uh, <laughs> riding this little thing uh, called the Yugo. Well, uh, sure enough, uh, here comes Rush. Uh, he gets Paul Shanklin uh, to put together a parody song uh, about liberals and their Yugo. So uh, it was absolutely hilarious. Here's, listen, here's part of that song that was a big hit on Rush Limbaugh uh, uh, show about, uh, and it's called In A You Go. <laughs> take, take, this is Paul Shanklin, parody song called In A You Go. As the snow flies At a used car lot on the edge of town A liberal guy and a liberal gal by Hugo And they drive with pride Cause if there's one thing that this world needs It's environmental friends who'll take the lead in Hugo Say, people, don't you understand? Those suburbans are ruining the land. But they'll wish they had a full size van one day. They point fingers at you and me. <laughs> <laughs> and you go, baby. You go. Oh, my gosh. An instant classic on the Rush Limbaugh show. All right, folks. Uh, look, you can go. <laughs> you can just go to YouTube and type in Paul Shanklin, S-H-A-N-K-L-I-N, Paul Shanklin, you'll see a whole list of the parody songs which were featured on Rush Limbaugh. Check it out. And I think he's got a Facebook page as well. So uh, Paul Shanklin, all part of the lightheartedness that was uh, Rush Limbaugh for such a long time. Uh, You know, also, the fact is that the lightheartedness gave way. This is just my own observation, my own opinion of the show, uh, Rush Limbaugh show. The lightheartedness, it, it, it kind of began to give away, give away to a more, what I would call a more serious rush in the last several years. Now, maybe his health was changing, maybe there are other things, but I actually think that, that the gravity of our political environment required it. And he still got in his jabs, obviously, and there were still, you know, <laughs> there was still the turn of the phrase and all that. But it just, it, to me, it just got a little bit more serious, and rightfully so. And then Rush lost his hearing. Now, before it was announced, I told friends, there's something wrong with Rush Limbaugh. And they were like, what? Now, I don't know, maybe it's because of my role, uh, you know, in speech communication, uh, that I could hear it. Maybe some, and other people are like, what? What are you talking about? And I'm just like, there's something different. There's something off. There's something, I can't put my finger on it. There's, some, there's something wrong. Well, sure enough, he ends up announcing that he was losing his hearing. He's lost his hearing. And that they were employing technology. They're trying to uh, put the callers... Uh, would have their whatever the callers were saying would would come up on a screen printed out for him to see all of a sudden that began to explain the delay why the delay that's it he he asked either the person's making the comment he's got to read it 
and and then think and then and so there there was like this delay. You could hear that delay. It's like, oh, I, I get it now. I I hear that. But not only that, he could not hear himself. I think to myself, if I couldn't hear myself do, doing this podcast, if I couldn't hear myself when I was preaching, when I was teaching the Bible, you don't know how loud you are. You don't know how soft you are. You don't, you don't. And, and so he, he, the, the tenor of his voice, the tone of his voice changed for a while there. And I believe it was because he couldn't hear himself. And then he had surgery. He had uh, the technology got better and he just kind of seemed to get back on stride uh, after that. Or maybe we just adjusted to uh, a little bit different rush. But then, um, finally, on, uh, on February 3rd of last year, 2020, uh, what a year, man. What a month, February 2020. Uh, he announced that he had, had cancer, stage 4 cancer, lung cancer. And uh, I think it was the very next day that the president, uh, Donald Trump, recognized him at the State of the Union. It was very moving. Melania was there uh, beside him. His wife was there. Um, the, I mean, just it was very, very emotional. Um, and then he was awarded the, the president awarded him the uh, Medal of Freedom. So it was, it was uh, very fitting, very fitting. And yet, uh, despite missing the show for periods of time, uh, because of the toll that his cancer treatments would take. I mean, he'd just be wiped out, of course. He kept coming back. He kept coming back. And, and, he, and, and, and amazingly, he kept sounding like the Rush we knew and loved. He stayed in the fight because he loved the audience. He made that very clear, especially uh, in his closing uh, comments of 2020. He loved, he loved his audience. He loved the country. Uh, but he, he also understood how, how that the stakes were so high in 2020. And, and he, he just kept coming back, despite how sick he really was. He fought the good fight. And so today, Rush Limbaugh, radio host of the conservative movement, passed away at the age of 70, just over a year following his public announcement of stage four cancer. Now, sometimes I think that uh, the passing of significant people is a kind of sign. Sometimes I think it's like a prophetic, it has a prophetic significance. And to me, it's just, just me, as I look at the larger political, the social, the cultural context of the moment, it's, it's just the passing of Rush Limbaugh seems to be, I don't know, it just marks the end of something. And it feels like we're at the end of something. It really does. And so it's a sad day. Now perhaps also it, it signals the passing of the torch. Maybe something new is going to rise. Someone new is going to rise. If that's the case, it'll be interesting to see who picks up the torch. I, I personally don't see any heir apparent. But I end today with uh, just saying thanks to Rush for all he did.
and uh, with prayers for Rush's wife and family. He ran the race, he fought the fight, and now he's home. <laughs>